Every day I wake up, I look outside and I say, man, it's beautiful out. And man, are we lucky to live in Colorado. Autumn's here, the leaves have turned, which means that your backyard's probably got, uh, you know, some things that have to be cleaned up. And uh, I, I like to wait till the, the back part of autumn. You have, to, you have to always stay after the leaves, but, you know, I'm not going to rake them up every uh, moment that they uh, fall. But you know what you need? You need a blower from steel. S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. Get online, look at their array of marvelous products, whether you're into a gas product, an electric product, or like me, you like battery-operated. They're going to help clean up that backyard. Uh, if you need a tree to come down, you need trimming, they have products for you. They have the best products on the market, period. And you know how easy it is? I said, go to steeldealers.com and you're going to find your dealer around the corner. I guarantee it because they have more than 10,000 dealers around the country. I really love their product. As I said, uh, I have a garage full of them. And now is a beautiful time of year to get yours so you can clean up your uh, backyard and make it look uh, spiffy before the first uh, flakes start to fly. That's Steel, S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. Love my Boyer's Coffee. Great way to start the day. Great way to give yourself a little extra boost and know that you're uh, supporting a great local company. And they've been a local company for a long time. 1965 is when they were born. They're the legendary Rocky Mountain Roaster, and they have a ton of great flavors. And uh, it's easy, easy to come by. Boyerscoffee.com is where you'll find all of their products online. And you can, do as I do, have it delivered right to your front door very quickly. Or if you prefer, you can find it in your local grocery store as well. They're the proud partner of the Colorado Rockies. And uh, here's a fact about Boyer's Coffee. Boyer's always has, when you go online, great deals going, great promotions. And I like to tell people if they're up on the north side, 73rd and Washington, you'll find their food truck. And they, too, have great promotions, great eats to go with the uh, wonderful coffee. That's boyerscoffee.com. Boyerscoffee.com. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Rocky's acting director of player development. Chris Forbes. We have to win games at the minor league level. We have to kind of establish this culture of winning and this culture of expectations, which ultimately is this culture of accountability. Going forward, getting these groups of players that understand what it's like to hunt for championships. He said championships, and Chris has a rundown of some of the most exciting prospects in the Rockies system. Also, Drew is talking avalanche and underachieving Broncos defense. Also, the Buffs, Rams, and the Air Force Falcons. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. Glad you're along for show number 119 on the Drew Goodman Podcast. Tell your friends and have them download and all that uh, good stuff, as I like to say, that I'm supposed to say. Hey, the baseball postseason, man, has been outstanding. Before we get into that, really quickly, a couple of... uh, Recent pet peeves of mine, you know, everything is overdone these days because of social media and the number of different places one can ascertain information. Um, I love the NBA. I am flat over hearing about Ben Simmons not going to practice, showing up finally for practice, and then being a dog at practice. Over that one, good for Doc Rivers, kick him out. He obviously came back because he just wants to get paid, was tired of getting fined. 
Uh, Kyrie Irving, you don't want to get vaccinated. That's your business. Rules are the rules. Uh, I'm overhearing about that story also. So I will just mention that off the top. Now, on to baseball, which has been beautiful. You're probably going, why why did he start with the NBA stuff? Where was that from? I just heard it, and I'm I'm like completely, as I said, over hearing about it. So that's why I jumped on that bandwagon really quickly. All right, we're taping on a Wednesday afternoon, and the Dodgers last night were seemingly done, right? Cooked. They were were about to fall down 3-0 to the Atlanta Braves. They're up 5-2. to two. The Braves are in the eighth inning. And then Cody Bellinger, former MVP of the National League, who's had a miserable year. But the postseason has given him a new life, a new season. He had a big hit in the previous series in the NLDS against the Giants. And he hits an unlikely three-run home run on a 1-2 pitch on a fastball that was probably eight inches out of the zone, above the top of the zone. And he hits it out to right center field to tie up the game in the eighth inning. Then a few hitters later, Mookie Betts comes up and he doubles in the winning run. By the way, does Mookie Betts not have the slowest heartbeat in the postseason? It's all the experience, man. Champion with the with the Red Sox, champion last year with the Dodgers. I mean, it's like another game in April for him. Really, it seems that way. Uh, but what, what a swing of the bat by Bellinger. What a great win for the Dodgers. What a crushing loss, obviously, for Atlanta. So it's 2-2, again, as we tape it on a, on a, on a Wednesday afternoon. The Dodgers, here's a little fact for you that uh, perhaps you came across and perhaps you did not. The Dodgers, in their long and distinguished history, when they were down by three runs in a postseason game in the eighth inning, were 0-83. I was going to say 0. 0-83. 0-83 until last night. So that was a great theater. Uh, the the series between Boston and Houston's been great. I know a two two game all of a sudden somehow turned into a nine two loss, and uh, as we speak, they were tied uh, at two two coming into this afternoon's play at Fenway. That's been a lot of fun. Uh, there's there's been you know heroic play. There's there's always new heroes. Kike Hernandez, you can't get him out right now for Boston. Jose Altuve, twenty one postseason home runs. You kidding me? Jose Altuve is my size. Whenever I see him, uh, on the occasion the Rockies play the uh, the Astros, uh, I, I kid him and say, I can post you up. Not too many guys I can say that to. What a, what a great talent. I know everybody loves to hate the Astros. Oh, they cheated. They did this and that. Guess what? Altuve, great player before. Altuve is still a great player. Same can be said for Bregman, Correa. Those are about the only guys that are left. You know one of my favorite players to watch, and I've talked about him before on the on the podcast, is Michael Brantley. He will give you, and I tweeted this out, he will give you the best at bat in baseball. He's he no one no one will give you a better at bat. Are there guys that are comparable? Yeah, I mean Juan Soto, you're gonna get a great at bat. You're typically gonna get a great at bat from a Justin Turner, you know, Mookie Betts. I mean, you you know the names. But I'm telling you what, a little bit under the radar, overshadowed by the bigger names, if you will, on Houston, Michael Brantley. Now, he's not a big power guy. He's going to hit his share of home runs. But in terms of quality, quality AB, Michael friggin' Brantley. I wanted the Rockies when he first was a, a free agent a few years ago. 
to make a run at him. I, I don't know if they did or not, but what a great fit uh, he would have been uh, in left field. So uh, I wanted to mention that. Love watching Brantley. I've mentioned it before. People are, who are regulars on the podcast said, Goodman talks about Brantley every week. Got a crush on Brantley. I do. Great player. Great player. So the postseason rolls on. It'll be fun. I'm sticking to my guns. I, I had the Dodgers uh, the whole way. I had Tampa in the American League. So uh, I, I had to jump off that boat. I was going with Houston. I just felt like their lineup uh, was deeper. But Boston, Boston's a hot team. Never forget, a hot team can win it all uh, in baseball, just like you get a hot goaltender in hockey and you can do uh, significant uh, damage. We have Chris Forbes on the uh, program coming up, and and most of you, I would suggest, probably don't know who Chris is. Chris was originally a a coach, and then he came aboard with the Rockies, and he was an area scout uh, beginning, in I believe, in 2007, and he's climbed the ladder in the Rockies organization. Very affable guy, uh, very uh, well-respected, and I think you're going to enjoy the conversation that, uh, that we have talking about his philosophy on uh, what he wants the farm system for the Rockies to look like. And uh, we're going to talk specifically about a number of prospects here uh, momentarily. And when it comes to the Rockies and looking forward to 2022, I've mentioned uh, on uh, several of these podcasts, I'd like to see the Rockies go out and get a couple of, of of bats in a perfect world. And you know, I would start with Kyle Schwarber. I would do everything I can to get a Kyle Schwarber. Uh, you know, I, I would call up Marcus Simeon's agent and find out, you know, what, what gets you in the ballpark. I mean, start at the top of the food chain. When you get one of those guys for the fan base, it's invigorating. It's exciting because you feel like your team has gotten better and there's an established guy that you can really cheer for. It happened in the Rockies' second year when they went out and got future Hall of Famer Larry Walker from the Montreal Expos, right? So it's happened before. I mean, Jason Giambi, Michael Kadire, Justin Morneau, they gave everybody in the offseason a bounce in, the, in, in their step. The Rockies need to do that without question. They understand that also. So we'll see how it turns out, you know, in the winter and if they can win some, as I say, recruiting battles to get some of these coveted guys, and there are a number of you know high value free agents. It's a really exciting market. Uh, everything is, uh, I, I think, going to be complicated by the impending collective bargaining agreement that will end on December first. Having said that, and leading into the interview with Chris Forbes, when you bring up a young talent. And we've also seen this on a number of occasions with the Rockies that blossoms before your eyes as you watch on a nightly basis. And that's what baseball is, man. It's day after day. Some good, some bad, some heartbreaking, some euphoric uh, decisions. And you watch it night after night after night. But when you see a player emerge that grew up a Rocky, I I think there's maybe nothing more exciting. And think back to when Troy Tulowitzki arrived. The next thing you know, I mean, he was one of the centerpieces as the Rockies stormed to the World Series in 07. You're like, holy cow, man, this guy's legit. He's 
He's the whole package and how exciting he is to watch. And then too low, everybody's heart was broken. He gets traded to Toronto. And the Rockies, the, the next year, they bring up this kid, Trevor Story. And he hits two home runs in his first game. And he wasn't done. He hit six home runs in his first four games. And you're like, holy shit, who's this guy? And he, and, he, and I know maybe a bad guy to pick on because it looks like, you know, Trevor is, is probably not going to be a Rocky after this offseason. We shall see, obviously. Uh, but when a young player comes up, even Cargo, even though he wasn't raised a Rocky and they got him in the holiday deal, when he came up as a, as a kid and you watched him develop before your eyes and quickly become one of the, for a period of time, one of the best players in baseball, man, that's exciting. So when you listen to Chris here, try to listen to the names and not everyone is going to blossom, but some of these guys and the Rockies have uh, a lot of guys in the younger, in, in the lower minor leagues, younger players in the lower minor leagues that are going to have a chance to be impactful at the big league level if it all plays out nicely. Um, and that, as I said earlier, is really exciting when you see somebody you heard about and said, oh, yeah, that guy was doing well in A ball and he was doing well in double A. And now here he is. And, and you watch them again blossom in front of your eyes. That's neat stuff. So let's get to it right now. Chris Forbes, he's the acting director of player development for the Colorado Rockies. And this interview is brought to you by Deal Home Loans. Well, Forbes, for, for people that don't know you well i'm gonna get a jumping in point because you've been with the organization for quite a while in a scouting capacity and and player development capacity but what was your original background in the game you know uh i coached college for 11 years prior to uh uh, jumping in with the rockies and kind of towards the end of you know a lot of the college gigs you know you're robbing peter to pay paul you know you're doing a ton of uh a ton of lessons and, and just trying to kind of make ends meet. And I was lucky enough to, to be coaching up in the Cape Cod League. And one of my buddies up there started kind of being intrigued, approached on the scouting side. Then I started getting approached about scouting. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a perfect segue into, um, you know, jumping in on, uh, as an area scout, you know, so like I said, you know, 11 years in the college game and, and, uh, you know, had finally worked my way back to Colorado, you know, from, uh, I came from, to Northern Colorado from Kansas State, uh, as we transitioned to, uh, Division One. How, how much in your evaluation process do you look at, uh, I'm a big, I, I talk about it all the time, not, you know, whether it's on television or on this podcast or in years doing rate talk radio. I'm a huge chip on the shoulder guy because, uh, I'll take 25 guys, you know, with with a chip on their shoulder over 25 pretty guys every day of the week. Um, how do you how do you work that into your evaluation of guys? Because we can all see the sexy looking. Oh man, he looks good getting off the bus. But you know what? The best player may be the guy who's you know he, he doesn't wow you in a uniform, but all of a sudden you watch him over a period of time and you go, wait, that's important to this guy. You know, I think like, you know, when you look at the grassroots level and, and, you know, once we even get those guys in and typically they are that kind of the day three guy or, you know, maybe occasionally you overdraft a senior because you want to make sure you get them in the organization. And, you know, the dynamic that we had 
with a group of guys, you know, the Mighty Mites, I called them, in, in Spokane, were the huge reason why Spokane turned it around and and got into the championship series up there, which was, you know, a guy like Hunter Soval, you know, from Mississippi State, and undersized grinder, and Isaac Collins from Creighton, undersized grinder, and Jack Blumgren from, you know, University of Michigan. You know, on a team that had a Brenton Doyle and a Nico Decolati and, and a Kilkenny on the mound and, you know, eventually Grant Levine there and Tovar there. It was these three guys, these three core guys that pushed that team into the playoffs. You know, so I, I think evaluate because, you know, you're talking a lot about heart and you're talking about a lot what's inside the package and, and coming from an organization that prides itself on character. You know, I think the separation within the character is always, you know, the alpha field makeup has been something that we've always nailed, you know. But truly digging in the on-the-field makeup, you know, is this guy a winner? And I used to say that all the time. Like, you know, as you formulate your list as an amateur scout, you know, and they look the same. You know, you're grading out the tools the same. They look the same. They're playing at Power 5 programs. Who's the winner? You know, who's won? Because the guys that have won, it becomes very addicting, and the losses are extremely hard on them. So I think a lot of times people lose sight of that, Chris, that winning is important. And, yes, you know, when when you're looking at a a low-A roster, the, the majority of those kids will never get to the big leagues, and they're all realizing they're in a fight to try to climb the ladder. But at the end of the day, when you shake hands at the end of the evening, that's still important um, as part of the overall development, is it not? It, very important. And and for me, it, honestly, it's critical. We have to win games at the minor league level. We have to kind of establish this culture of winning and this culture of expectations, uh, which ultimately is this culture of accountability. And a lot of that is, you know, we, we put a lot of stock in winning games at the minor league level. And, you know, going forward, getting these groups of players that understand what it's like to hunt for championships. Um, you know, when you know when we hit that with that, you know, when you're looking at the Hop and the Atkins, you know, and Tulo to some regard, and and Philly, uh, and that, you know, that grouping of players that hit, you know, that that started kind of playing together or within a level within each other. You know, in that 0506, you know, ultimately leading to something very special at the end of 07 there. You know, I'm trying to re- recreate this idea that, okay, you know, we're, we're going to put a heavy emphasis on minor league wins. That, that's, that's a crux of your, of your philosophy as, as you move forward as director of player development. No question. I, you cannot teach them how to win at the big league level. You know, at the the TV league where all that matters is wins, they need to have some semblance of winning on the way up and what it feels like. And and really, you know, kind of those games that we see, you know, where they have to go for the jugular, you know. We're going to end this game right now because we're going to do this, you know, and just kind of get that instinct in there. I'm going to ask you about a slew of, a slew of players so our listeners kind of get a feel for – um, the next generation. And one of the things, you know, I was uh, had an opportunity, obviously, to be down with you last week and see a couple of instructional league games. And and it's exciting to see young guys who honestly may be the ones that make it three, four, you know, sometimes even five years away 
And I think it's such a, a difficult task for you and your staff and all the coaches to try to project what an 18-year-old or 19-year-old ultimately will be or will look like. Uh, but it seems like, especially at the lower levels, going even at the DSL, Dominican Summer League, the Arizona Complex League, uh, the two A-ball teams that were in the postseason, it seems like there's a lot of reason to be excited if you're a Rockies fan. Is that a fair assessment? It, it is fair. And, you know, we kind of looked at it, even even breaking camp this year, that, you know, there were some intriguing dynamics in that lower grouping of players. Um, obviously not knowing how, you know, the, the Arizona team was going to shape up because a large part of that came out of the draft. But just, you know, the guys that Roe was sending over here from our Dominican program, uh, the guys that, that at the time Billy was picking, and just how quickly things meshed together. You know, we were able to get some of the guys out of the draft up to the next level, up to Fresno. Um, you know, we got very aggressive within the levels to making sure after the COVID year the guys were kind of playing with the type of group that they need to be playing with and, and, and really challenging them to make sure that every level is an adjustment because it is. You know, uh, you know, going from Arizona to Fresno is an adjustment, and, and Fresno and Spokane. I mean, they may seem like small steps, but you do have to adjust. And so, you know, as, as things started to mess together and, and a staff that did an incredible job of, of making guys feel like they belong immediately. Well, okay. and, you know, dra- draft status goes away pretty quickly, right? Yeah. You know, you start getting in there and you're in the locker room and you, you start to get to know your teammates on an intimate level. And, and draft status kind of goes away. And, and now we're all Rockies. I'm, I'm going to throw a bunch of names at you, Chris, and, and I want you to give me a thumbnail sketch, if, if, if you wouldn't mind, of where they are now and what they project to be. And I'll start, start at the, the top of the food chain just by where he was drafted and the year he had in the Cal League, and that's Zach Veen. Zach Veen has got an incredible balance you know, of his ability to hit and the power. Um, you know, look, look to be right now, you, you know, at 19 years old, the the year that he had. The personality is very intriguing to me, too, because it's, it's uh, you know, he's kind of a beach bum hippie type guy uh-huh. and, and, and just kind of takes things in stride. And usually you see that that first full season out when, you know, we were coming off the couch in the pandemic year. Um, and playing 100, you know, it didn't end up being a 120 game season is what it ended up being, you know, um, and just seeing how he handled the grind of it, you know, and early on, I think the expectations were weighing on him. And then he got to a point where he was comfortable. Hey, I, you know, I don't need to be hit for power. You know, th- there's a factor in this and I don't need to get three or four hits a night. There's also going to be a factor in this. You know, the, as, as Doug Chadwick, our mental skills guy says, the enemy gets a boat. And he picked on that part of it and that short memory aspect of it extremely well. Um, that, you know, okay, I'm over four on a Monday. Well, guess what? We play tomorrow. You know, and every day we have a chance to redeem ourselves. And, and that was probably the, the, one of the more special things that we saw out of him outside of the, you know, the organic leadership he has. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guys look to him a lot. And even guys in, in, that we have coming out of these Power Five conferences are looking to a, you know, a high school draft. Uh, just on the way he is and the way he plays, he's not a rah-rah guy, but he doesn't need to be. 
Um, but, you know, got aggressive on the base pass. Defense was absolutely night and day from what we saw in his first instructional league in, in that uh, fall of 2020. Right. He put an emphasis on it. He became a really good defender. You know, he likes to be the guy that can kind of make the play or push the envelope on the, uh, you know, defensively and then push the envelope on the bases. He likes that aspect of it. He's got the right type of aggressiveness. Drew Romo's Drew Romo's another kid who was a high school draft. Now, uh, his his at least reputation as a high school kid, and this is a little unfair because he's a kid, was great defensively, switch hitter who, you know, we'll see how he develops offensively. Well, in the Cal League, he was great defensively, and he swung the bat really well. That had to be a, uh, I don't want to call it a, I'll, I'll let you characterize it, whether it was a pleasant surprise or what, but where's Drew Romo right now on, on your radar? I mean, he's firmly on our radar. And, and you know, he looks at that blend that we've looked at for years of having a very technical, aware, instinctual defensive catcher on top of, you know, this, this switch hitting bat that's got a similar approach from both sides. Um, you know, I mean, you, you think of him at 19 and hitting in the middle of the order, you know, on a team that finished in first place in the Cal League uh, in the regular season. You know, him and him and Bean were enormous parts of it. And, you know, we had heard that a little bit kind of out there about him, and, and Schmitty kept telling me, no, he, you know, he can hit. It's in there. Uh, and he really took off. He is a meticulous worker um, to the point where, you know, I think he's probably one of the few catchers that can honestly say that Jerry can't wear him down. Jerry, Jerry right. Weinstein. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, just really advanced in a lot of ways for his age, uh, how he goes about it, what he wants to do. I remember his first spring training, because, you know, that, that that's a big jump, you know, as they see that. You come to an instructional league program, there's like 40 players and X amount of staff, and, and we have the whole complex. But, you know, now you come into spring training your first time, and there's 170 players and 60 staff, you know, and crowded hallways. And he jumped in. We were doing our first round of uh, bullpens on the nine-pack, and I watched him jump in on the far right, and he just kept working his way all the way over. It didn't rotate out. Didn't want to rotate out like he's supposed to, because he wants to catch them all and he wants to get to know them all. Right. You know, so I mean, he he thinks the right way. Um, you know, he's got some professional tests through. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. He seems like a the type of guy that is so focused on the season that you know he might break up with his girlfriend the night before he leaves for camp. Type guy. Quick <laughs> 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 to stay focused, you know. But uh, you know, I mean, I can't say it was all that much of a surprise because you know Billy really did say you know they'd seen him enough through all the events and and you know you have a couple of those you know just okay events in front of a national audience and then all of a sudden you know maybe maybe there's a narrative out there that's not exactly accurate and you know I think he's got a lot more feel to play than people thought. There's there's another guy off that Fresno team that you graduated to Spokane. Um, and that is shortstop Ezekiel Tovar, who always had a reputation for picking it, and he really swung the bat, particularly in the Cal League. Tell us about Tovar. Is he a shortstop down the road in the big league level? What kind of bat will he potentially have at the big league level, and how far away is he? So he is a pure shortstop. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, from arm to footwork to ground ball instincts, you know, unbelievable hands. You know, he, I was in Fresno. It's rare to see him, you know, look look bad on a play, and he made an error in one of the games I was there. And I was telling Freddie Acasio, I said, he looked good on the air. You know, I wish my actions looked that good ever. I mean, he just, you know, he really, there's an easiness to how he operates at shortstop. Um, and, you know, the bat this year, you know, during the pandemic, we, we weren't able to get him home because they closed the Venezuela down. So he stayed in Scottsdale. And seeing the maturity factor after that that time in Scottsdale of not being able to go home for what ultimately ended up being 18 months, and he's still on it because he's playing in the fall league right now. How quick can he move? You know, I, I still think, you know, that Eastern League is, is a big separator. So get him in a double A, he's going to be firmly on the radar, you know, and obviously he's in the fall league for a reason this year. Um, you know, so he could be a guy that, that, you know, Billy actually, even as a scouting director, saw him enough to know that, that we've got a guy here. Um, so, you know, you, you could see his two-year two debut. You could see within that one, two- to three-year window right there. More with Chris Forbes, who is the acting director of player development for the Colorado Rockies, been part of the organization for a number of years Love telling you about Ideal Home Loans because they save you money. They have saved me money on a couple of occasions through the years, and I mean significant money. Give them a call at 303-867-7000. That's 303-867-7000. And they're going to go over with you their products. They're going to go over where you are situated in terms of your home loan, or maybe it's goals that you have in improving uh, your home and projects you want to get done, and you're trying to come up with cash. They are the call to make. 303-867-7000. Brent Ivinson's team has uh, been in this market for more than 20 years. He originated here. He's down in Arizona as well. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. I have sent uh, a number of friends their direction, and everyone is super pleased. You will be as well. Give them a call. 303-867-7000. That is Ideal Home Loans. Divorce is not fun. Difficult time, emotional time, uncertain time. Been there. You need guidance. You need counsel. You need accurate information and great professionalism and understanding. And you'll find it without question at one of the top family law firms in the region in Cox, Baker and Page. That's Cox, Baker and Page. They've been recognized in a number of publications for their excellent work in the area of family law. They're compassionate and thorough in guiding you through a tumultuous period. Their work has been routinely recognized for its excellence. U.S. News and World Report, for instance, consistently award Laura Page and Mary Cox best lawyer distinctions. If you or someone you know is looking for counsel, reach them at coxbakerandpage.com. That's coxbakerandpage.com. Mention you heard it from me and receive a discount on your initial consultation. Now back to more with Chris Forbes. I want to skip to, and there's there's other guys certainly, but I'm handpicking certain names. I want to move to Spokane and guys who were there for for most of the year. Chris McMahon was, uh, I believe, a second-round pick out of Miami. And his arm intrigued me when you guys took him in the draft a, a couple of years ago. And it seemed from afar that he had a solid year. How do you project him? He's a, he's a, he's a big league rotation guy. 
you know, he's got a four pitch mix that he pounds a strike zone. Uh, he's got the ability to kind of hit both halves with his fastball and then elevate, whether it's in early in the count and then back down or late in the count. Um, you know, the mix is there for him to kind of, no question, hold down a rotation spot, and he absolutely loves to compete. You know, we talked a little bit about the chip in the shoulder guys, and his chip comes from being a first-round talent that went in the second round. You know, and and recognized early on that, you know, he's got a little bit of an X factor going on in there. It was going to be okay to get him into straight in Spokane in his first full season. Um, you know, and he's also got the durability factor, you know. Uh, so, I mean, he, he he's an intriguing arm and, and, and you know, likely should be, in obviously, in the Eastern League with that rotation. Right. Uh, so, again, what a, you know, a fantastic separating league the Eastern League has turned into. There's another guy I want to mention off that roster that I was intrigued by when you drafted him because – uh, and, and I think what I'm about to say will really appeal to your, your your scouting background when you're an area guy is that the beautiful thing about the game of baseball is, you know, the prospects are not listed to kids who go to LSU, Arizona State or Arkansas. They're all over the place and they can be at all different levels. D1, D2, D3, NAIA, JUCOs, obviously, you know, high school kids as well. And and the kid you drafted out of a D two, Brenton Doyle, really intriguing guy, six three, about two oh five, two ten. I haven't seen exactly how big he is now, but he can run. He's athletic, and he seems to be putting up numbers. He, he is from from a scouting standpoint. He's a five tool guy. Uh, unbelievable strength. He's got the ability to finish balls at the plate. He his power goes to all fields. Um, you know, a center fielder with a speed tool, a uh, huge arm. I mean, he just, and you're right. I mean, you know, he's a guy that when you were an area scout, you wish he was in your area. You know, you, you wish you were stumbling across because every time, the first time I saw him, I just kind of kept asking myself, how in the world did he get to Shepherd College? You know, <laughs> when, when it seems like, I mean, this is a power five guy, no question. Uh, probably very few places he couldn't have played at. And so, you know, I mean, he is he is really an intriguing, you know, and, he, and very much a no-nonsense type kid. Um, you know, he looks the part. Uh, again, you know, the Eastern League is going to be a very welcome challenge for him. Uh, he's from out that way. You know, I think he's going to really enjoy, you know, the competitiveness in that league with, with the farm systems that are in there. Mm-hmm. You know, it helps those guys. You know, certain guys are going to rise to the top from it. It's got some teeth. Uh, but yeah, he he he's got a chance to be fantastic and 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 arguably a mainstay. You know, if you're dreaming down the road and you see an outfielder that maybe has Benny Montgomery and, and Zach Dean and, and Brenton Doyle in it, um, you know, it's uh, I think that's rolling about six three to six five. The grouping, yeah, and they, and they and they can all run, and you know, as you said, high end athleticism. You know, going back to Veen real quickly, when I was watching him last week with you with you guys, um, I saw, and I, I maybe it's a uh, an easy comp, but just bat path and and how he stands at the plate 
it looked like, and, and I mean, the good version of Cody Bellinger. It, 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 that's actually a great comp because, you know, Cody is unbelievably athletic um, as well and just can, can do so many different things on the baseball field. So I looked at, like, you know, when you look at Bean's adjustability and his ability to use his hands at the plate, his ability to kind of, you know, use the field, um, you know, that, there's no doubt that that kind of that gives you a good comp. I got one for you, and, and he's doing really well in the early going in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, speaking of guys who are, you know, high-end athletes, even though you don't always associate that with first baseman, but Michael Toglia at a UCLA who probably could run around in the outfield – uh, give us a, again a sketch on on where he is and how he profiles down the road. Well, I mean, I mean he's definitely a pure corner bat. You know, I mean, there's uh, you know, there's big power in there. There's big power from both sides. Um, and you know, his ability to recognize a mistake and, and actually capitalize on it is what we saw a lot this year, kind of coming into that. Can you know play corner outfield a little bit in UCLA? But I can tell you at first base, he is by far, top to bottom, our best defender in the system. The way his hands work, the way his instincts work, you know, his ability to pick the ball, you know, just, just play that. I mean, he, he's got a chance to be a really, really good defender. Um, you know, he's going to adjust some, had to adjust knees from late to, you know, not only the octane on the fastballs that are coming in that league, but, you know, the guys have that form. I would say, you know, when in double-A, you start seeing organizational philosophies coming into play. Like, okay, this is what the Yankees stand for because this is what they're doing to us here. Or this is what the Red Sox stand for because this is what they're doing to us here. And you definitely see that in that league. And so I think it's going to be, you know, critical that he keeps making these adjustments and recognizing kind of the pattern that the pitchers are trying to fall, get them to fall into. Um, but, you know, real shots be 30-plus home run guy in the big league. And that's what the you know that's what the sport right now is all about. I mean, when you look at the top power hitting teams, you know, lower chase rate, big thump teams, they're all the teams that populate the postseason. Um, so to hear that, you know, I'm sure is music to to every Rockies fans ear. The other thing is the you know the high end you know velocity. Look at Duval, Camilo Duval with with San Francisco is for a few times to the big leagues this year as a kid. You know, he was kind of all over the place, and then he kind of locked in. What arms excite you when you look at the system? And some may, you know, not be necessarily on the cusp of getting to Denver, but but not too far away. What what arms excite you? We started kind of creating more of a seven, eight, nine inventory outlook on things, and not just naming a closer at the affiliate levels. You know, just kind of, we're going to create this back end of the, of the game inventory. And, you know, the important part of that is that, you know, each guy's are, are starting to mix in their closing. You know, in, in Spokane, you had a kid named Dugan Darnell, you know, that's in a mid to 90, mid to upper 90s fastball with a good splitty, you know, and, and, and really a curveball that he can land early in counts. And a kid named Stephen Jones, you know, who the pitchability that, you know, Gavin Hollowell, who I don't think you saw at Instructs, but I mean, you know, I'm pretty excited about the, the, the track he's on right now. He's training extremely well. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of intriguing bullpen 
options to kind of create, you know, just a little more of a, a flexibility for Bill, you know, at the big league level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I mean, off the top of my head, you know, that that grouping of arms, we were kind of talking a little bit about, you know, the, the Juan Mejias and, and even, you know, guys that you don't know if they're big leaguers like an Anderson Pilar, but how they compete on the mound, they help teams, you know. Um, you know, and I, you know, this crop that we just got, uh, I couldn't be more pleased with the, the newly drafted guys. You know, I mean, looking at how in trucks went on the game side of things, I mean, we just pounded the strikes on. They absolutely competed. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't give up the free passes or, you know, the extra 90 feet from the wild pitches. I mean, they, they just really, they were pounding the strikes on. They made it extremely easy on us. I know you're heading down there in the not too distant future to to the Dominican and Boca Chica and our facility uh, down there. It, Rolando Fernandez, who's director of uh, you know international scouting, was on with us uh, a few weeks ago, and in talking to Row on on the podcast and off the air, if you will, I, I got the feeling he's never been more excited about the crop of young Latin players. That that he has right now, and was born out, which is important to you, as you were saying earlier, in wins in the in the DSL and Dominican Summer League uh, over the last uh, few months. So that has to be intriguing as well. Well, you know, he's been pretty good about you know he he kind of holds his cards close, mm-hmm. and and the way he's talking about this crop, you know, even even over the last couple of years, and some of the young guys, you know, we. we we had, uh, you know, Fernandez, uh, the big Cuban bat, um, you know, who's got a real chance at 18 years old. I mean, he he stuck out like a sore thumb on an instructional league club that I thought was pretty pretty solid. Uh, had him over here and had a younger named Juarez, who threw for us extremely well, um, that we got over this year to be able to kind of cut their teeth with the idea that, you know, Juarez is on the rotation in Fresno and Fernandez will, will be out in the outfield. Um, he's got another arm, Pacheco, a lefty, that he keeps telling me, you know, basically he wants me to fly down and see him, you know, because he thinks he's that same type of guy. Right. Um, you know, and that and that's added on top of, you know, Eddie Diaz a couple years ago and Tovar a couple years ago. And, you know, even some guys that aren't real popular names like Juan Mejia, um, you know, all of them could be trumped by a kid named Brian Castillo, you know, who stuck out like a sore thumb in camp. He was fantastic this instructionally. Uh, came over, was it as his first spring training with us and then dealt with a, uh, his appendix had to get his appendix out, and then had some complications with that. So this was really at the end of the Fire League season in Arizona and then leading into Intrax. This was the first time as a staff we truly got to see him healthy. And it is a huge arm with a very competitive mindset. Right. You know, so, I mean, it, it is, you know, because as you know, you know, the amateur draft in the States can flow. And some years you really like what's out there. And some years you're like, okay, this is going to be interesting. We're going to have to dig a little deeper here. Um, but to have, you know, basically both programs in a, in a very good spot, what we're pulling, you know, on the amateur side and, and what he's uh, Rose signing internationally, uh, you know, that's how you can sustain some success here. 
Yeah, it's got you know it's it, it's I'm sure it's good to hear that as for a Rockies fan because I know that you know farm systems you know a few years ago the Rockies farm system is really well thought of in the last few years you know the baseball Americas of the world have had them down you know in the lower third and to hear about a lot of these prospects that you um, gave great detail about. Uh, it's exciting because ultimately, even when you talk about the real wealthy organizations, the Yankees, the Dodgers, you know, the familiar teams we talk about, you still have to develop your own. And whether you develop your own that ultimately become impactful Rockies or develop them and you can use them as chips to get, fill a need, you know, sending prospects for a veteran player, it, it is it is of grand importance. No, no question. And, you know, that, I mean, look, that's kind of the beauty of having, you know, the place we're in from a player development staff, you know, um, you know, of just really recognizing, okay, we need to wring out every ounce of talent out of every kid and looking at each one of these guys in a very holistic approach. Um, you know, and that's just what we're doing on the field, not just what we're doing in the cages or on the bullpen mound, but what we're doing in the physical performance space, what we're doing in the mental skills space. Um, you know, I, as, as you know, I've kind of talked to you a little bit about, you know, my model going forward is very player centric and, you know, kind of creating a continual learning environment for each and every kid and, and make it very positive and, and empowering for them. This is your career. We are here to help you. We exist in these roles because of you. And, and, you know, we're going to kind of ride or die in, in that direction. Um, you know, putting certain blends, they, they understand what the standards are here and what the expectations are. Um, you know, we're not going to tell you to get in the weight room. We're not going to tell you to, you know, get your mental skills. We're not going to tell you to eat right after the game. You know, but it's all here for you. You know, and that's where the accountability comes on the player. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, we've got a chance to really, you know, establish a landscape here. Uh, you know, especially knowing that we are a draft and development model um, of, you know, we got to check as many boxes as we can before they're handed off the butt black. Hey, Chris, man, enjoy. Uh, first of all, thanks for the time and enjoy a little bit of downtime, which uh, I know in your gig you don't get a lot of, but enjoy the family, man. Well, I really appreciate it, Drew. Thanks. Thanks for uh, calling today. I had a good time. Yeah, you bet. Forbes, be good. I'll, I'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Thanks, Drew. So I was down in Instructional League, uh, as we were chatting about last week, and, and it's neat kind of getting your eyeballs on, on young players like Zach Veen, uh, like Drew Romo, um, some young arms you see down there. And and then you're it, it just gives you context. And there's some good-looking bodies down there, you know, guys that – you say, wow, that guy that guy would look good coming off a, a bus. He looks good in a baseball uniform. Athletic-looking guys, guys that move well. And uh, so it's exciting. And we'll see, you know, how much fruit it, it bears in the, in the coming years. Some guys will get there quicker than others. Uh, but I, I really enjoy the whole process of, of developing big league players and watching when they're teenagers when they're puppies and, and how far they come along when they uh, finally play in front of, you know, 35, 40, 45,000 at Coors Field. So again, thanks to uh, Chris Forbes for, for giving us some insight on number of future Rockies. Hockey, 
Last week, Kyle Keefe was kind enough uh, to join us. I went on Saturday night. It was game two as the Pierre Lacroix tribute, and I thought uh, the organization did a marvelous job in, in paying tribute uh, to the orchestrator of those two Stanley Cup championship teams and uh, a, a person who was a really kind guy, tough guy, tough guy. Um, I've told this story before about uh, Pierre Lacroix. Um, he did not talk about guys that were holding out, uh, and that was just his policy. And he was on with me on opening night when Val Kamensky was holding out, and I was I, I was I had Kyle Keith's role back then. I was hosting the pre and post game, also doing be- between period stuff for the Avalanche, and it was a fabulous time to be involved because they had a Hall of Fame roster, et cetera. But Kamensky was holding out, and and I told Pierre, "Listen, I know your policy, but I have to ask about it. Otherwise, people at home are going to say, hey, why didn't Goodman ask about Val Kamensky? I mean, he's a big star, and he's not there." What's the update? And and Pierre said, "Well, if you ask me, then you know, basically, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Seven Eleven. He said, which meant he was gonna walk off the show. And uh, we found a happy medium. I I basically answered in in the same breath that I asked the question, I answered it for him. I said, I know it's your policy not to talk about players that that are not here, and so we we got through that. But I I, I found Pierre to be um, you know a great leader um, and, and somebody that cared about." Everybody he came in contact with, I thought the organization did a really good job of honoring him. Now, the hockey aspect, I'm not worried uh, about the, this first part of the season, the uneven start. I mean, McKinnon came back, you know, did not play well against Washington as we taped this. Uh, but he had been out for eight days, couldn't skate for eight days because of, you know, the positive test for COVID. Landeskog missed a couple of games after the uh, after the check and the suspension. Uh, the, there are a number of guys out as we know. So I'm not concerned. I'm not going to read into anything uh, a, a few games in. The game I was at on Saturday night, they were down 4-1 to one against St. Louis, and they come storming back. And, and I thought, you know, I'm biased, but I didn't, I didn't think that was a, a, a kicked-in goal. Uh, I, I thought the, the puck really just went off the skate, and it should have been 4-4, and I really liked the Avalanche chance to win it at that point. Didn't happen. Uh, Darcy Kemper, early returns, got to play better, Right. But this guy has a good track record. As long as he can stay healthy, I'm sure he'll be fine, especially as things shore up in front of him uh, with the defensive pairings. That's my thoughts uh, on the avalanche. And uh, before we get on out of here, we'll talk very quickly, give a review of uh, of football. Not going to say much about the Broncos because, again, as we tape, they play tomorrow against Cleveland. 3-0 start against three poor teams and then 0-3 against their next three. Uh, Pittsburgh, I figured, was going to be tough, probably better than they had played. Uh, the home, the the next two home losses, the first one, understandable. You're playing against a very good Ravens team. The next one against the Raiders, a bit of a trap game because of everything that uh, was transpiring with that organization. Uh, but the biggest disappointment for me has been the play of the defense. I really thought they were going to have a, an upper echelon defense, and they haven't played as such uh, yet. Uh, the offensive line has been uh, inconsistent. We'll see how they do uh, on a short week in Cleveland. We'll talk more about the Broncos uh, in the next couple of weeks, certainly. College front, CU wins. They ought to win. Arizona's awful. Uh, good for them. They needed a win. They needed a decisive win. They got it. We'll see uh, how they do against a, a Cal team that's not great either uh, on the road. That offense still needs uh 
a long way to go. Uh, you know, they scored 34 points, but one was a special teams touchdown, one was a defensive touchdown. So, you know, the offense still leaves a lot to be desired. But uh, congrats to them for getting a victory. Colorado State wins again. They're playing good football. They they won down in New Mexico. They should beat New Mexico. The Lobos aren't great historically. They're not great, uh, but you know, they're developing a reputation for pounding the rock. Uh, for playing really strong defense. Trey McBride, I don't know if you've caught this guy, man. He's, he's a tight end. He's from Fort Morgan. His brother's a, you know, he's battled back injuries throughout his career. He's a terrific defensive lineman. But Trey McBride is legitimately one of the top tight ends uh, in college football and will go fairly high in the draft next spring. He's worth the price of admission uh, by himself. Quick shout out also to Air Force. They're once beaten. They go to Boise and knock off the Broncos. Now, Boise State may be down a notch from where they've been uh, historically the last 20 years. Uh, but still, you go to Boise and you win. Pretty good stuff. So congrats uh, to Troy Calhoun and uh, and the Academy as they, again, have lost only one game so far this year. Make sure you uh, download uh, the DNVR Rockies podcast, all the DNVR products, good stuff, and they keep you uh, going on all the sports. But uh, I joined Patrick Lyons on the DNVR Rockies uh, podcast weekly, and uh, we have a lot of fun there. And uh, as I said, it's a daily podcast, so make sure you subscribe and download uh, to the DNVR Rockies podcast as well. That'll do it. You say stay safe, stay well. I'm headed to New York for a few days. I'll have a, a new edition of uh, our little program coming out next week from the road. Look forward to that, and uh, we'll talk to you in a week. Take care.